Happy Tuesday and welcome to Not Boring Founders. This is a new podcast. It's part of the Not Boring family of podcasts, newsletters, etc. And the point here is to talk to the founders building the companies that I'm backing with Not Boring Capital. I think that hopefully because of my spot as both a newsletter writer and an investor, I'm able to get access to the behind the scenes look in some of the coolest companies that are being built today. And I want to share that with you directly from the mouths of the people who are building the companies. Today, for our first one ever, we have Saad Alam, the CEO and founder of Hone Health. Let's get to it. Saad, could you tell us a little bit about Hone, your story, and how you started? Of course, of course. And Packy, thanks for having me here. Um, okay, so let me kind of just give you a little bit of background on myself, because interestingly, all kind of comes together. And I feel like this was company the company I was literally born to create. But... Um, you know, my parents came here as, as immigrants, um, first generation Pakistani, and kind of like growing up, one of the most important things a kid wants to do, frankly, is they just want to fit in, right? Like, that's all you want. You're a little brown boy running around. You want to fit in uh, with all your classmates. And at a very young age, I started playing sports and I, and I excelled at sports and I obsessively played them. Uh, and frankly, like that gave me a tremendous amount of confidence to figure out who I wanted to be in my life and, and to really kind of like compete at a higher level. And that confidence is actually like probably the key insight to this particular business. Now, I went and did a corporate gig for a little while. Uh, I built another ed tech company uh, that was venture backed. And interestingly, I sold that company right around the time when I was 35. And that's actually where the story kind of starts. And I can give you a little bit of background here on myself. Because I was an athlete growing up, I've been obsessively healthy. I worked out six days a week for the past 25 years of my life. I eat perfectly. I meditate twice a day. I track my sleep with three different devices. I have an infrared sauna that I do some of my meetings for. So if it, if it helps you be a better version of yourself, it lets you live until 110 or 120, like I'm 100% sold on the entire, on the entire business. And so what happened at 35, bunch of things started kind of falling apart. The first thing is my, my focus and my mental stamina started to decrease dramatically. I was having a lot of trouble kind of just recalling simple facts. I couldn't even like do, I would say, moderately difficult math equations in my head like I've always been able to. And all of a sudden, I actually couldn't even remember uh, what I did the day before. The next thing, is my body composition started to change, right? So I started to gain quite a bit of weight around my midsection. And then the third thing, which is really the straw that broke the camel's back is my libido was gone, right? And I mean like completely non-existent, plumbing's not working. And as you can imagine, that makes for some incredibly difficult conversations between you and your girl. I know it's like those cliche conversations where I'm like, hey, it's, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> uh, I can laugh about them now. <laughs> Let's just say that. Can't have been easy in the moment never are. And, and, you know, I think that the, the thing that most people don't talk about is that it has like this very deep psychological impact, or at least it did on me. Here I am, I'm kind of hard charging, overly confident. And all of a sudden I'm going, will I be able to build another company? Can I take care of my aging parents? Can I take care of my family? Is this really the beginning of the end? And the worst part about it is that once you put those doubts in your mind, they kind of, uh, they kind of like plant the seeds for this self-defeating negative feedback cycle. And they just get worse and worse and worse and worse. And so what I did is I went to my primary care physician and I said, hey, look, something is dramatically wrong with me. 
they essentially took my blood. They told me to come back in a couple of weeks. My doctor sits me down and he very seriously like looks in my eyes and he basically says, Saad, I want you to know one thing. It's all in your head. <laughs> and I said, you gotta be crazy, man. Like I'm super in tune with my body. I know something's horribly wrong. Uh, and I said, why the hell did you bring me back here to even have this conversation? And that's what really began this interesting journey where I started seeing different specialists. Uh, and right, I had to go to, I had to take time to schedule, wait a couple of weeks, go see the specialist, get blood work done somewhere else. And so it was this long drawn out six month ordeal. And basically at the end of it, I met a group of hormone optimization and regenerative physicians. And they said, Saad, we actually see what the problem is. It's kind of obvious. You have the testosterone levels of an 80 year old man. Jeez. And, and I, well, it's, it's interesting. My first impression was like, oh, the T word. Why'd you have to say testosterone? It's such like a dirty underbelly word. The and first the next, thing that comes to my mind is those like low T commercials. That yes. Don't do the industry any favors. <laughs> that those those late night infomercials exactly. just seem so seedy. And the truth of the matter was, is they actually followed it up by saying, it's not a big deal. We see a lot of younger guys coming in like this every single month now. And I said, that's fascinating. And so as you can imagine, that piqued my interest. And I started looking at the research. And what I found is that not only after the age of 30 do men's bodies naturally begin to lose the ability to produce their hormones by one or two percentage points per year. But, and this is, the, this is really kind of like the crazy thing. When you look at the generational shifts, our father's generation had 25% more testosterone and 50% more sperm. And it, it almost sounds conspiratorial to a certain degree when you, when you like dig into the data, because what it essentially says is all these environmental contaminants like plastics, PCBs, PBA, or, uh, they basically get into our bloodstream and they resemble these estrogenic compounds and they tell the hormone regulating centers in our brain to shut down endogenous production, which is natural testosterone production. And so now you have this generation of men, i.e. us, that are running around with much lower testosterone levels. And, it, and you know, all of our friends are having trouble conceiving. Like this is a very real problem. And the reality is that no one wants to talk about it, right? And, and so that, it made me feel like I wasn't alone, right? And I felt much better about it. And so I went on this optimization therapy and it quite literally fundamentally changed my life. Um, I had, right, I had trouble getting up certain days and it's just never been my personality. And, and I was like almost hopeless to a certain degree. And I went from that to feeling like my 22 or 23 year old self pretty quickly, right? And, and I don't mean the ability to like pick up cars or have superhuman strength. <laughs> right? And that's probably what most people think about when they think about testosterone. It was, it helped me have hope. It gave me momentum back in my life. And that momentum basically turned into like me being able to dream again. And I know that sounds so yeah. soft, but frankly, like that's what I needed. And, and it really made me feel like my best self on my best day. And I, I felt like that consistently. And all of a sudden, I felt like myself again. And that's kind of like the primary insight when we talk to guys about our product is they say, I need energy to feel like myself so I can take care of my responsibilities, right? This isn't about muscle and sex. Although the sex part of it uh, definitely helps you improve your relationship with your significant other or your partner, whoever it is. Uh, and all of those things kind of conspire to help you be confident. And, and what it really was for me is I knew that the next company I built 
really had to do with helping men be confident as we age. And there's a much larger narrative about how I think the, the entire arc of a man's life is being redefined, but that's, you'll get me on a tangent here. <laughs> well, I, this is, I mean, there's so many things that sound fam familiar in here, right? The lack of sleep, the lack of energy and focus. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, all right, yeah, I have a baby. I'm working a lot. Like maybe I'm just tired. Maybe like that's why I can't focus. Now you have my brain spinning and I'm like, should I get, should I get tested here? And like, when do you think the right time for someone to get their testosterone levels tested is? Like, is it when you've tried everything else and you try getting your eight hours of sleep on your eight sleep pod and you've tried eating healthy or can you kind of just knock that one out right up front and you know, that could avoid months and months of headache? Well, it's, it's interesting, right? There is, uh, and I'm going to get a little bit into the nitty gritty details here, if, if you don't mind, right? Like yeah. the, the biology behind this. But basically, whenever you look at a man's testosterone level, um, there is a range, meaning that if a man is between 900 nanograms per deciliter at the top range and 300 nanograms per deciliter at the bottom range, if he's anywhere in between that range, he's theoretically has a healthy testosterone level. Now that's based upon kind of like population-based studies and looks at a bell distribution. And there are people on both ends of the spectrum that are not in that range, right? So that means there are certain people that are below that 300 naturally, and there's certain people that are above that 900 naturally. And so the reality is that when you go get your testosterone level looked at, and let's say you're at 880, theoretically, if you're at 880, you should be fine. But the truth of the matter is you don't know if you normally ran at 1400, and your entire life, a bunch of things has happened and you're at 880 now and you're feeling bad. Um, also too, and I can talk about my own personal testosterone level. I basically was at 180 when I got tested, which clearly is very low. Now what's interesting is I went on treatment and I've been as high as 800. 800 was too high for me, I felt overstimulated. The best number for me was at 400. And that brings me to the, the second component of this. So much of this is based upon feel, right? One part of it is these numbers that you look at and they're these very objective biomarkers. The other one is how do you feel as an individual? And so there are things like, are you sleeping enough? Are you irritable? Can you remember? Uh, can you focus for long periods of time? And every single person's makeup is very individual, which is what makes this such a hard science. And so there, there really is like one of two schools of thought. One school of thought is, and for our particular clinic, we only treat men that are what they call hypogonadal. So they are clinically low. So their number has to be low and their symptoms have to be low. We are not what they call like a strict optimization clinic, which is any guy can come into us and say, hey, give me hormones, we give them to you. That's not the way our particular business operates. Um, and frankly, a lot of that is because we wanna do things from a, a perfectly, I would say, a perfect regulatory and medical perspective in, in line with the different AUA guidelines or the standard protocols out there. And what I would tell men is that you need to know where your testosterone was initially, right? So if you were at 880, you wanna make sure you knew you were at 1400 the rest of the prior part of your life, but you'll never know that if you haven't been tested. Mm -hmm. So what I generally tell guys is you wanna get tested as quickly as possible because it's not something your PCP is gonna look at. And then you can track that number over time. However, the guys that are generally coming to us, these are guys that have very often tried the rose or the hymns of the world, the erectile dysfunction medications, didn't change that feeling of almost feeling heartbroken to a certain extent. And, and there is like, also this very slippery slope, right? Let's say you're 32 years old. 
you're starting to slow down a little bit. You're starting to feel like you don't recover from going out as well. You're starting to get a little bit slower in the bedroom. All of a sudden you have a kid and you're saying, well, it's all because I have a kid because it's because I'm not sleeping. Now you put that off until you're 33, you're 34, you're 35. And then you started to resign yourself to the fact that, oh man, this is probably just what life is. It's oh, what all my friends said is coming true. The reality though is there is not a 0% chance that what is actually also happening is you're putting so much stress on your body that your natural testosterone production is beginning to go down. And if you were to go on therapy, it could help you out a lot. It could help. And I'd probably say this is the most interesting thing. The average age of a testosterone user across the country is 53. The average age of our user is, do you want to take a guess? I actually have not seen this number. 30, 37. It's, that's pretty damn close. That's pretty good. Is 39. And so what it means is, right, there is just this, this younger group of men that are having problems. And when we help them change their lives, there are three things we hear all the time. We hear, I'm on the ground playing with my kids again. I feel like my, my life or my relationship with my partner has been rekindled. And the other one is, I feel like myself again, and I can go tackle all the responsibilities that I have, right? And it's like those three things consistently over and over and over. And you've got to imagine a guy's got to be in a pretty crappy place if they're willing to come to us and pay $180, $200 out of month, right? In cash, out of pocket. So what are they paying for? Let's take a step back. We've gone into the science. Tell us about Hone. What is the product? Okay. So the way Hone works is uh, you go online, you buy an at-home blood test from us. It's $45. It includes a physician consult. You're going to go ahead, purchase that at-home blood test. We're going to send it out to you. It's, ser- it's basically two lancets and it's a couple pieces of filter paper. You're going to prick your finger. You're going to give us several drops of blood. You're going to send that to one of our certified labs. We're going to analyze that for eight hormones, right? It's not just testosterone. There are multiple reasons why your testosterone levels might be a little bit low, and we need to diagnose them from different directions. After we've done the analysis, we then connect you with a licensed physician that is a hormone optimization specialist, and they've been doing this for years. So they understand how to treat a man. And then this is a, this is a, this isn't like a asynchronous SMS consult. This is a deep 30 minute conversation with a physician where they're one asking you about what's bothering you. And very often it's a therapeutic session for men because they have to dig deep into themselves to kind of talk about the problems they've been having for five or 10 years. We then basically educate them on what their biomarkers are saying and let them know what's happening in their body. And then because hormone optimization is such a complex science, we provide them with different options. There isn't like a silver bullet for this thing. It's Here's one option. Here's another option. One may work a little bit faster, but have more side effects. One may work a little bit slower and not be as efficacious, but have less side effects. And we want them to be really educated on the process. After that, if it is a non-controlled substance, right, uh, a substance that is not on a is not on the scheduled substance list, we work with a pharmacy to make sure they get products sent directly to their house. If it is a controlled substance, because we are the most conservative and I would say are practicing according to all the standard guidelines, we make them do a confirmatory reading as well too. And that confirmatory reading tells us, yes, their testosterone level is in fact low and B, this is a safe product for them. 
And then we send it out to them after they give us that confirmatory test. And then every 90 days, we're doing another at-home blood test. We're doing another physician consult and that continuously happens, right? And so that blood test also changes every 90 days based upon the medications the patient is on and based upon how that patient has told us they're feeling prior to that follow-up. So let's dig into the business. What is, what's the hard part here? Like, what does all of that take to be able to do? Because there's <laughs> other companies in telehealth, there's other companies that will send you prescriptions. You mentioned a couple of them before. This seems like a lucrative category and they haven't gotten into it yet. So what makes what you do hard? Walk me through the business. This is one of the most difficult fucking businesses to build, hands down. It is really, really fucking hard. Um, let me say this, right? Like any other, other entrepreneurs, we went into this thing. I've been through the process myself before. So I felt like there was a really great founder market fit. And we thought, oh, we'll just send them blood tests. We're going to send them medications. Every 90 days, we'll send them another test. Well, look, that is a perfect case scenario. And it doesn't take into account two elements. The first element is the human factor. The second element is the man factor. And what's the man factor? We're lazy. We're lazy. We don't like doing things until we're told. And so what that basically means is if you think about the funnel we have, have to send out a kit. 20% of the kits sometimes or they fail. You have to make sure you get another kit to someone. You have to make sure that you're coordinating a telehealth consult that's 30 minutes long in states where the, uh, where the, the regulatory and compliance laws for controlled substances are changing on a month-to-month -month basis. Then you have to make sure that you, if it is a non-controlled substance, getting a medication is easy. If it's a controlled substance, you've got to do a confirmatory kit. Guys don't want to do the confirmatory kit sometimes, or if they do it, they want to wait a lot of time to get it done, even though they really want the medication. Then you have to get them the medication. You ever, then you have to deal with a guy who's saying, I've never injected myself with testosterone before. So then you have to overcome that barrier. Then you have to say, okay, at 90 days, I'm going to send you out an at-home blood test, another one. Go ahead, so, get a question. Yeah, when people are are sticking themselves, like, is there a video that you give them to show them how to do that? Or are you just saying like, I don't know, find a good spot? Like, I, I would be nervous about that. <laughs> how do you get people over that hump? It's, we do videos, we offer them calls directly with our customer support team, whatever makes them comfortable. And what's interesting though, is we have three different formulations of testosterone right now, right? We've got this thing called a trochee, which is a sublingual tap that goes underneath your tongue. We have uh, a cream that you can apply to multiple parts of your body. And then we have uh, a subcutaneous injection, which is injected basically under your belly fat. Now, if I were to ask you, in what percentages are those sold? What do you think they are? Oh man, let's see if I can get close again. I think under the tongue is going to be 39%. We'll go with the 39 Ooh, from before. Okay, that's I like that 39 number. I'm going to okay. go cream is probably going to be 42%. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to say that the remaining 19% is the shot. Okay. Interestingly, 90%, maybe 92% is a shot. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is exactly the opposite of what we thought. And, and there are multiple reasons why we believe that's true. But nonetheless, most men actually opt for the self-injection. And so as you can imagine, right, I'll even complicate things. Every time you send a syringe out to a guy, that's a separate script by itself. So then you're basically, you have to send 
control substance out to someone which had which you have to track a very specific way in the mail you have to make sure they got it you have to track every one of the syringes they get sent and then going back to your question about like why is this business so difficult every 90 days if you have to do a follow-up consultation and a guy waits a month to get their follow-up consultation done but their script's about to run out and you have to make sure they don't lapse on medication. Otherwise they go back to feeling like they did seven days after their last shot. How are you getting them their medication? That's a controlled substance, right? And then every 90 days, you've got to go through that process again. And if you think about how difficult it is to manage one particular patient, now think about 5,000, 10,000 of them happening all at the same time. And what there basically is, is, there's so much variability built up into the entire business that you basically have to build a very specific kind of intelligence to make sure that you're dealing with it. And so we created something called the Prescribinator. We love the name. Uh, and <laughs> it is, it is, it is the, it, it's interesting. I'm not going to necessarily get into growth numbers, but we've been able to grow fortunately very fast. We could have probably been double the size we are right now. But the reality is that we had to slow down and build the right infrastructure in order to make sure we're taking care of the patients. And I would say that one of the principal insights that you get from this business is the number of days before you can actually send a controlled substance out to a patient versus the number of days it takes to get them into the mail. There is just such a narrow uh, window of time that if you don't send it perfectly, they will lapse on their medication. And so we've had to build this system that is so incredibly accurate down to the hour that understands when exactly the script needs to go out so the patient gets it in time. And I would say that it sounds like such a simple thing I'm going to say, but you just have to make sure you get the patients, the medications on time every single month. Uh, but because there's so much variability built into the system and it compounds every 90 days and the next 90 days, nothing like the previous 90 days. It is constantly an exercise of understanding how your actual intelligence has to involve every 90 days. And so when, when people used to first say to me, hey, look, people are going to come into this business and they're going to replicate it because the margins are wonderful, the customers retain well. At first, I used to kind of get afraid. Uh, and now I'd say, yeah, like, go, go for it. Uh, it's so, <laughs> if you're not 100% focused on this business, it's going to be incredibly difficult to figure out. So this brings up a whole number of questions. I'll do the easy one first, because you said that people retain well. And I actually just based on everything that you were saying and just thinking about myself would have expected the opposite, right? Like if people churn at a high rate on their Netflix subscription or something, for example, that doesn't require any action, I'm surprised the guys aren't just like, oh man, this is a lot of work. So what does retention look like? Okay. Let me actually say one thing before I even get to retention. And I'll go back to that comment of saying a guy has to be in a really bad place if he's willing to spend $200 out of pocket cash, right? You are literally talking about being able to live your life and take care of your family and the people you love versus not. You tried everything else. This is your option. And so what you're basically dealing with is a group of guys, and I was one of these too, right? that will do anything to figure out how to get that. So that is like this beautiful driving force of the business. Uh, to your, to your point, question about retention, um, I mean, our six month retention numbers look like 80%. Uh, our, year, our year long numbers are, are pretty good and they're, every single cohort is beginning to improve uh, even above that. 
And so it really is like this absolutely wonderful business, but it takes so much care and effort, one, to get them on. And then the second is to give them enough love across the entire process so they want to retain. And so that's what we've really, you know, the, it's interesting when we first built the product, the experience was nothing special. And people would always say, oh, your UX and UI doesn't look that great. Why isn't your experience that great? And I said, we'll get there. I'm not worried about that. What I really care more than anything is making sure we just get guys medication because this is a difficult business to run. And frankly, that's what they need. And so that brings up another interesting point on lifetime value here. We don't have to go into the exact numbers, but just a question, like once people start using Hone, do they have to keep using it forever? Or is this something that is cured at some point? It, that is a very nuanced question. And I'll tell you why. For younger guys, that are, we'll call it below 40 years of age, they still have, or generally, everything I say is going to be general. And it's also really important to remember this. I'm not a physician. I'm not giving medical advice. I should have said that at the beginning. I think I'm going to caveat this in, a, in the <laughs> intro to the podcast that there's no okay. medical advice in the podcast. Okay, perfect. All right. So with younger guys, so actually, let me take a step back. So what happens is you have this, uh, you have this gland in your head. It's called your pituitary gland. Your pituitary gland secretes a hormone called luteinizing hormone, oral LH. That luteinizing hormone goes to your testes and they tell these things called Leydig cells to produce testosterone. For younger guys, they still have testicular function and their Leydig cells are working. But very often that signal from your brain to your testes may not be as strong as it was. And so there are ways naturally as well as pharmaceutically to help increase that signal. For older men, they don't have their Leydig cells intact very often. They've, they've just lost testicular function. And so no matter how much you increase that signal, they won't increase endogenous production because they don't have the ability to, right? the, the motor is actually broken. And so for those men, they generally have to take testosterone for a prolonged period of time. Uh, now for the younger guys, you can generally kind of figure out how to increase the signal. And very often you can step off the gas, but for guys that don't have testicular function, that's kind of your only option to a large degree. Now, it is also very important that if someone decides to come off, there's something called PCT or post-cycle therapy that are things that are, or I should say, the licensed physicians can do that help that guy kind of get back to, to natural levels of production. Got it. All right, that makes sense. The other kind of path that I wanted to take this was you mentioned building your own infrastructure. I know that some of these companies are built on top of other companies that actually handle the prescriptions and sending things out. Some do it in house. Can you walk me through like how vertically integrated you are and where you're using kind of external partners and where you're uh, vertically integrating to the extent that you're able to? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a very uh, thin line. I have to think about how how close I want to get to. Um, I can say this right initially we got the business up and running within five months of deciding that we were really gonna do it. And in order to do that, we had to work with a series of partners. Um, and that meant everyone from the at-home lab tests to the pharmacies to uh, physician requisition networks. As we're beginning to gain a little bit of size and we're thinking about how to scale, we are very seriously considering about which one of those elements we do wanna vertically integrate. And in our minds, there is a we have a very good understanding of what sequence we want to do them in. But the goal is a 100% fully vertically integrated company at the end of the day. So without going into specifics, 
how do you think through what to vertically integrate and what not to, and when to vertically integrate what, like, what are the key things that you're looking at? Because I, I think, you know, half the reason that people are, are listening is to think about how to build a business. So like you're in the weeds of building a fast growing business and trying to vertically integrate at the same time. How do you think about it? So, so it's interesting because I think there are a couple different levers you can pull here, the way you think about a business. Um, some people believe the faster you have better gross margins, the faster you can scale the business because there's more cash to reinvest. Uh, some people, they don't really care about your growth margins as much. And they're kind of saying, where is there potentially supply constraints in the future that if you were to lock up that supply constraint allows you to scale faster than other competitors uh, because they won't have access to it. And I think that the way we're looking at it is at the end of the day, there are a bunch of costs associated with the business and they're costs that compound over the course of time as you increase your customer base. And frankly, for us, the way we've approached it is how do we make sure we reduce those costs? Because it is a, I would say like a line share of what we're actually paying at the end of the day. And while we love the idea of kind of like growth at all, at all, at, at growth without bounds. The truth of the matter is we are fortunate at the business that we run and has good enough margins that we don't have to grow at that exact pace uh, because it is a relatively cash flow positive patient in a shorter period of time. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so switching gears, things are going well. When we first spoke, the revenue number was eye-popping. The margin numbers are great. The growth numbers are phenomenal. You were called peak then, and now you're called Hone. So when things are going well, why rebrand? And tell me about the new brand. <laughs> it's a great question. I get that, that one all the time. Um, right, the reality is that when you think about peak, it really represents like uh, a point or a destination in a place. Uh, and it, it is a hyper-masculinized brand with a little kind of like DTC touch on it. And it really resonated well with our customers. But the, the truth of the matter is, uh, and this goes a lot to my own personal philosophy, uh, my actual belief set is that Packy, you and I will get to live until we're 110, 120, right? Barring no chronic diseases or acute problems, we really have this opportunity that I think people before us didn't. And when you think about the fact that where I'm standing right now at almost 40 years old, I may have 60 good years of life ahead of me, forget about the bad life at kind of the, the tail end. It, it forces you to kind of like reconceptualize what is the arc of a man's life look like, right? At 65, I'm not gonna retire. Um, I'm gonna continue sprinting at it and taking advantage of life as much as I possibly can. My parents are living longer. I'm gonna to wanna to take, take care of them as well. Uh, and so our belief set is that there is, there's no narrative out there and there's no company that's helping men understand how this narrative is changing. And frankly, we want to own it. Um, my, I 100% from the bottom of my heart, and maybe it's because of the, the circles I get to, to run in. I just believe this is going to become normal. Like hormone optimization, your late thirties, early forties, guys are going to kind of go in for a little bit of a tune up. They're going to figure out how to fix their hormones. They're going to have the energies of when they were 20. They'll get to think more clearly. They'll get to get further in life. They'll get to spend more time with their kids. Yep. And so hone really represents like the honing of your life more than anything. And we're transforming ourselves from what's seen as a testosterone clinic in the cloud into far more of a lifestyle approach where we are helping men, not only with their hormones, but other facets of their health as well too, that help them kind of be the best version of themselves. And I know that sounds a little bit soft and a little bit ephemeral, 
But the truth of the matter is like, that's the business we're building, right? We are becoming, uh, I would say, we are really focused on helping a man take a look at his life very diff- very seriously and say, what elements of your life do you really want to improve? And we're going to help you do those things, whether it's with coaching, whether it's with medications, whether it's with mindset, whatever that stack is, that's what we have every intention of controlling. That's fascinating. So that brings up this, this next question of how does the product evolve? So you just gave a little bit of a preview, but as home, and again, I'm going to keep pushing as, as much as I can, but you know, how, where are you going? Like, what are the next exciting things that you can actually announce now like what do some of those things maybe look like? Maybe what are some of the things that you're leaving on the cutting room floor that aren't gonna actually come to pass? So maybe you can talk about those. Like what, where does this go? There's like obviously a reason for a rebrand here. Packy, the worst part about it, you, is I, I can see you smiling right now, which, which means I know you know you're pushing the bounds, right? I, I know you know what you're, what you're, what you're going for. Well, let, let me say this, right? Um, there's a lot of exciting things that we have planned uh, in over the course of the next couple months, the next year, the next two years. One of the things that we are doing right now is we have launched a community, right? And it is literally attached to the entire site. It will become a very big part of our narrative going forward. And I'll tell you why. Right now, when guys hear about low testosterone, the therapies used to treat them, they very often Google it and they find themselves like in a back alley chat room on the internet somewhere with a bunch of bro signs, right? Uh, and it's just like a bunch of LOLs or ROFL or muscle emoticons. And the reality is like, that's not what this is about. This is about like deep personal changes and figuring out how to fix your energy and your mood. And so what we're doing is we are kind of like taking a big step to basically say, how can we become the definitive place online where men go have difficult conversations about their health? And they're not, they're not kept as difficult conversations, but they feel empowered to not only become better themselves, but to help other men. And so I would say that's the, the thing that we just recently launched that we're really excited about. And I can't say too much about it, but all I can say is that that community will become a large part of the fabric of the company. That makes a ton of sense. And it's not something that you necessarily associate with a DTC brand or with, you know, pharmaceutical brand, but it feels like such an important piece of this whole puzzle. Cause you know, for you, you said it started with focus. So like, this is not just a chemical thing. This is a mental thing and a way that you think about yourself thing. So that seems like an important piece of what you're, what you're building. That's, that's correct. And a large part of it too is so much of who we are as men is, uh, I would say our, our, our identity is tied up in being a provider. I'd say that our limitation is we're, we're really bad at doing things like asking for direction. So we're dense. And, and what I think a lot of men have difficulty doing is asking for help. And what's interesting is a lot of the guys that we work with, once they've been at that low point in their life and they found the momentum and figured out how to turn it around, they just want to talk about it and they want to help other guys because and it's exactly like kind of the reason why, why I was so inspired to start home is because I felt like it was my duty to help other men. And yeah. so now you have these groups of men helping men online. And frankly, like we've been very lucky that a lot of our customers wanted to help other men. And so we said, how can we do that? How can we build a brand around that? hundred percent. How do I think about, because like one, that's obviously good for retention Two, if you're the place that people go to talk about men's health, that is good for cross-selling at some point. Three, like 
I would imagine it even decreases like support costs. So when people talk about community and people talk about community a lot, I was like thinking about building a community business before and was, you know, remember how much everybody was trying to attach the word community, but it sounds like if you get it right, like there are real business advantages to it. So like, how do you think about that piece of it? Okay. So, so one, your acquisition cost goes down dramatically because I'm no longer paying the Facebook and Google tax and, and some significant portion of your venture dollars uh, directly to them. The second thing is that, um, and you hit the nail on the head, very often when people are looking for customer support, there's only so far that we can really go with customer support, meaning like our physicians can provide advice, our customer support reps who really are, are knowledgeable at hormone optimization can provide advice. But the reality is that when you're speaking to another man that's going through the same exact thing or went through the same exact thing a month before you, he can answer things in a far more nuanced, nuanced manner. And so that actually increases uh, engagement. It decreases churn over the long term because there's kind of a lock-in effect of the community of other guys kind of talking through problems together. Um, and I'd say that those two things are the primary reasons that we do it, right? Uh, I would say in the very near, near term, the amount of effort that we put into community development is probably going to be more than most DTC companies do. Makes makes a ton of sense. All right, so I'm going to switch gear. We have two questions left. Okay. One is going to be a little bit tough, then one is going to be a little <laughs> bit meta. So the tough one is, and like I'm not going to let you off the hook easy on this. Like this could be a billion dollar company. A lot of companies want to be a billion dollar company. What could go wrong in like the real, not like, you know, we don't execute or bubble, like what, what could go wrong here? Like what keeps you up and what are the challenges with the business? Like if I asked a critic of the business, they'd be like, oh yeah, fuck home because X, Y, and Z, what would they say? The single, I would say, right. Let's say we execute perfectly. Let's say we absolutely hit a home run with the business, but let's say there's some regulatory changes that come down the line. And for this particular business, when we brought in the co-founding team, we sat down and said, the single one priority for this company is to do it in a safe manner, completely within regulatory and compliance guidelines. And the amount of time that myself uh, and Stuart, who's one of my co-founders and my COO, we spend on it is, I'd probably say like a quarter of our days, making sure you get it absolutely perfect. That makes sense. I appreciate, I appreciate the honest answer. Then a fun one and a little bit of a meta one, which is, you know, this conversation that we're having is part of, I think, a really smart way that you're thinking about the cap table and using investors to get the message out there. How do you mm -hmm. think about cap table construction? And like, you have some really great people back in the company. I feel honored to be back in the company. How did you think about that? How did you come up with this, this kind of plan? So part of me wishes I could take the credit for it, but... Um, Ankur Nagpal, who, who came in, who was the founder, yes. founder former Teachable, he's one of your uh, LPs. Ankur, uh, Ankur basically was like, hey, we should, he basically said, hey, look, there's this whole new class of investors that are popping up, right? We all know each other. Uh, we all have influence right now. We all invest in things that we're really passionate about. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to, to have a little bit of success earlier on in our life. And so Ankur and I sat down and like really sat thought through where do we think the business is going to be going at this point in time? Um, it, meaning like, right, the market is over here, uh, meaning with like guys that are very well educated. We know that the problem is accelerating very rapidly. And amongst a bunch of guys that don't have a tremendous amount of insight about it, 
how do we take this problem? It really is, right? This low testosterone problem that no one wants to talk about and how do we kind of normalize it with that group of individuals? And so cap table construction, I will say that I'm incredibly fortunate to have uh, the folks at Tribe, the guys at Humbition, like a bunch of really wonderful folks on the cap table that helped us on, helped us out very early on. Uh, but this recent push has really kind of been who are guys that have influence, that have been successful, uh, that can resonate with the problem that we're trying to fix. And I, I think that the easy way to say it was, Packy, just like you, um, when you jump on the phone and you start talking about the business, and if you're the same age as I am and going through a lot of the same problems, it just makes sense. And then you're mm-hmm. kind of like, I guess life's dirty little secret is, we're still all 21 in our heads, um, <laughs> right? And, and a large part of us want to hold on to it. And the reality is we don't have to let it go. And so the younger, it's, it's almost like being given a gift, right? If I tell you you're 21 with the experience of, I don't know how old you are, I actually do know how old you are, but we'll take me, for example, of a 39-year-old. Of a um, that is like a huge gift that you could have never expected to have. Right. And you can be a better father, which is all uh, right. You are a new father right now. Yeah. Um, and I would say like cap table construction. And I'll tell you a large part of the way I look at it now actually is I love working with founders who have been there, done that. And I would probably even argue that investors that are former founders, they, they understand the struggle you're going through a little bit differently. That makes a ton of sense. Where can people find you? And where can people find Hone? Okay, so let me give you Hone first because that's probably the more important one. Uh, it's Hone Health, H-O-N-E, health.com. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Saad, that's S-A-A-D underscore Hone, H-O-N-E. You can find me on Instagram at M as in Michael, S-A-A-D, Alam, A-L-A-M. Or honestly, just go old school and email me. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, S-A-L-A-M at honehealth.com. I think that is a first, and I hope that your inbox is inundated. Saad, thank you for letting me come on this journey. Thank you for having this very honest conversation. And uh, everybody go check out honehealth.com. I know I will be.